the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. You know, you're in the situation that you're in because of your own sin. It's your fault. It's not, it's not my fault. It's, it's your fault. You know, some people blame God for the consequences of their own sin and for the consequences of their own action. You know, they, they live this sinful, rebellious life against God, and then when there's consequences, they blame God for the consequences, but they've brought it on themselves. They've done it to themselves. God didn't have anything to do with this. They did it to themselves. Are you experiencing the consequences of your sin? As you listen to today's message from Pastor Dan, he teaches you that it's important not to blame God when you experience the weight of sin. Turn to God for help and for healing, but not to place blame. Sometimes when we sin, it can be easy to want to place blame elsewhere. However, don't blame God. God has had nothing to do with your sin, but he is the one that can heal and set you free from it. Pastor Dan reminds you that the Lord loves you, is for you, and is always ready to forgive you. And now, open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 50, as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. We're going to be in Isaiah, chapter 50 tonight, if you want to turn there in your Bible. Isaiah, chapter 50. We're also going to cross-reference the Gospel of Mark in a couple places, uh, Mark, chapter 1, and Mark, chapter 15, also. So if you want to go ahead and find those in your Bible as well. Isaiah 50, Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 15. Beginning in chapter 49 to chapter 57 of Isaiah, these chapters describe for us the ministry of the Messiah. It describes the Messiah as the suffering servant who will come and he will rescue men. He'll come to save mankind. Uh, Back in chapter 49, verse 6, at the end of verse 6, we see that the Messiah will bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And remember, Isaiah is written over 700 years before the birth of Christ. And yet it has uh, these prophecies in it describing the life and ministry of Jesus who is to come at this point. And when Isaiah writes this, Jesus doesn't come for another 700 plus years. Uh, but Isaiah, because he's you know inspired by the Holy Spirit, he's, he's writing Things about the Messiah, about Jesus Christ who is to come. Uh, In chapter 50, beginning in verse 1, the Lord speaks to Israel, and the Lord says to Israel, Where is the certificate of your mother's divorce, whom I have put away? Or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? For your iniquities 
have sold yourselves and for your transgressions, your mother has been put away. Remember, the children of Israel will go into captivity in Babylon as slaves. We saw back in chapter 49 that when they go into captivity in Babylon, they are going to accuse God of forsaking them and forgetting about them. And here in verse one, you know, the, the children of Israel, they as they're in their captivity in Babylon as slaves, they accuse the Lord of divorcing them and selling them into slavery. And the Lord says to them in verse one, you say, I've divorced you. Where is the certificate of your divorce? According to the law, Deuteronomy chapter 24, a husband could divorce his wife and he had to give her a certificate of divorce. Uh, We would say today he has to serve her with papers. And so he gives her an official legal document stating that he's divorcing her. And the Lord says to Israel, if I've divorced you, well, then produce the certificate of divorce. You know, show me show me the divorce papers if I've divorced you. And of course, he hasn't divorced them. Yes, yes, they're in, in captivity. Yes, they've been removed from their own land, but they, God hasn't divorced them. Now, God has grounds for divorce against them. Uh, they've been unfaithful to God. Uh, they're described elsewhere in the Old Testament as an unfaithful wife to God. God accuses them of committing adultery, spiritual adultery. Uh, so God has grounds for divorce, but God does not divorce them. And he says here, hey, if I've divorced you, let's see the papers. Show me the certificate of our divorce. Uh, they claimed that God sold them into slavery. Again, according to the law, if a person uh, went into debt, they could sell their children, believe it or not. They could sell their children to their creditor temporarily and have their child work as like an indentured servant to their, with their creditor to pay off their debt. And hear what the Lord says to Israel, because Israel is accusing God of selling them into slavery. God says, you know, tell me then, who's my creditor? Who am I in debt to that I had to sell you into slavery? Who do I owe money to that I had to give you over to them to pay my debts? And then he tells them the truth at at the end of verse one. He says, for your iniquities. You have sold yourselves and for your transgressions, your mother has been put away. God says to them, you did this to yourselves. I didn't do this to you. I didn't put you in this situation. You did this to yourselves. I, I, I didn't I didn't forsake you. You forsook me. I didn't divorce you, so to speak. You divorced me. I didn't leave you. You you left me. God says here at the end of verse one, very just honestly, you know, you're in the situation that you're in because of your own sin. It's your fault. It's not it's not my fault. It's it's your fault. You know, some people blame God for the consequences of their own sin and for the consequences of their own action. You know, they, they live this sinful, rebellious life against God. And then when there's consequences, They blame God for the consequences, but they've brought it on themselves. They've done it to themselves. God didn't have anything to do with this. They did it to themselves. And he says in verse two, he says, why, when I came, was there no man? Why, when I called, was there none to answer? He he says, when I came to you, there was no man. There's no one. And some of the other Old Testament prophets in Jeremiah, 
Uh, I'll just read it to you. But Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 1, there the Lord says, Run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. See now and know and seek in her open places if you can find a man. If there is anyone who executes judgment, who seeks the truth, and I will pardon Jerusalem. And God says to, to Jeremiah the prophet, go through all the streets of Jerusalem. See if you can just find one man who executes judgment, who's, who's doing right, who seeks the truth. And I will pardon the whole, the whole city. In Ezekiel, or through the, the prophet Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30, there the Lord says, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. God says through Ezekiel, he he says, I sought a man, but there was no man in Israel who would stand in the gap on behalf of the land. And so what does God do? God sends a man to stand in the gap. He sends his son, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, to be the man that will stand in the gap, not only for the people of Israel, but for all of mankind, because there's no man standing in the gap. Isn't that that's more true today than ever before, isn't it? As you look around the world, who's standing in the gap? There's no man standing in the gap. And so what God does is he sends his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to stand in the gap. And Jesus stood in the gap for mankind. And he laid down his life for mankind and he died on that cross for our sins to stop the wrath of God. And so God says here in chapter 50, he he says to Israel, I came to you and there was no man among you. You don't have a man among you standing in the gap. When I called, there was none that answered. No one answered God. God sent his prophets to Israel to call them back, to call them to repentance, to change their ways to turn back to God, and he sent prophet after prophet after prophet, and they ignored the message of the prophets. They just ignored. They just didn't listen. They refused to listen. In Proverbs, again, you can just, you can just listen. <laughs> you don't have to turn there. Uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 24, the Lord says, Because I have called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand, and no one regarded. He, he reached out a hand. He reached out a hand of salvation to Israel. And, and no one regarded it. No one cared. No one took that hand. He called to them. And no one answered. He says in verse 2 again. He goes on. When I came there was no man. When I called there was none that answered. And then he says. Is my hand shortened at all that I, it cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? And then he reminds them here times in the past when he did redeem them and he did deliver them. Indeed, with my rebuke, I dried up the sea, the Red Sea. I make the rivers a wilderness, a desert. I make them dry. Remember when they crossed into the promised land, they they crossed through the Jordan River and God dried up the Jordan River. It says so they walked through on dry ground, so even dried up the riverbed. It's not just that he stopped the water and they kind of went through you know, on wet sand crossing through the Jordan River. He dried up the sand. He made it like a desert. I make the rivers a wilderness. Their fish stink because there is no water and die of thirst. I clothe the heavens with blackness and I make sackcloth their their covering. And here the Lord says, uh, you know, I have the power to rescue you. 
I have the power and the ability to deliver you from Babylon and from your slavery. I've delivered your people in the past. I've proven I have the power. I've proven that I'm capable. Again, he says in verse 2, Is my hand shortened at all that it cannot redeem? We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m. I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. Now, turn with me over to chapter 59 Isaiah. The Lord says a similar thing in chapter 59. He answers his own question. Is my hand shortened at all that I cannot redeem? He answers that question in chapter 59, verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. He he says in chapter 59, It's not that his hand is too short or that he's hard of hearing. The issue is their sin, their iniquities have cut them off from God. If they would just repent of their sins and turn back to God, he will hear them and he'll rescue them and deliver them from their bondage. But but they they won't. And so because of that, they're they're just they're cut off because of their sin. And when Jesus Christ came To the earth, all of the sin of mankind was put upon him when he was on the cross. He took our sin as a substitutionary sacrifice for us. And if you remember, when Jesus was on the cross, uh, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's the only time we see in the Gospels where Jesus addresses God as God and not the father. It's the only time you see Jesus without information. It's the only time you see Jesus asking the father why he's cut off. He's cut off from the father. All of our sin was put upon him and our sin cut Jesus off from the father. And and here in Isaiah 59, the the Lord says, it's it's your sin that's cut you off from me. I'm not I'm not listening to you. I'm not reaching out to to save you because you refuse to repent. Back in chapter 50, God, you know, he's certainly powerful enough to rescue Israel, but he, he doesn't. Again, in verse three, he says, I, I clothe the heavens with blackness and I make sackcloth their covering. Now, remember, this is written more than 700 years before the time of Christ. And when did God clothe the heavens with blackness when Jesus was on the cross? Remember, they were told in the Gospels from noon to 3 p.m. The skies became dark, total darkness in the middle of the day. And then it was at 3 p.m. In the darkness, piercing the darkness that Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so now that brings us to verse four and beginning in verse four, the the Messiah speaks. And so this is prophetically speaking. And this, you know, he's speaking here 
uh, in the first person. And he says here, so this is the Messiah now speaking. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned. The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned. He has bestowed upon him, is the idea here, he's, he's given him as a gift, the tongue of the learned, the tongue of the, the wise. If you remember in the Gospels in Luke chapter 2, when Jesus was just 12 years old, he, Jesus and his parents went up to Jerusalem to celebrate one of the feasts. And at the end of the celebration, Joseph and Mary began the journey back home to Nazareth. And, and they would travel in those days to Jerusalem in big groups, big uh, everybody would be making this pilgrimage up to Jerusalem. So you would travel with family and friends and neighbors. And so as a big group, they start heading back to toward Nazareth. Uh, and at the end of that first day of travel, they realized that Jesus wasn't with them. Jesus wasn't in the group. Uh, you know, they just assumed that Jesus was, you know, with his friends somewhere in the group, traveling with them along the road up to up to Nazareth. And at the end of the first day, Joseph and Mary realized Jesus isn't with them. And can you imagine as a parent realizing you, you've lost your child and not just any child, you've lost Jesus, right? That's pretty, it's a big deal, right? My son in the back is waving because one night we, we left him somewhere and didn't realize it till we got home. So well, I can't imagine what that's like, but he's not Jesus. You know, it's this big difference between losing your son and losing the savior of the world, right? That's a lot of responsibility to lose the savior of the world. Uh, and they did. And they, they lost him. And, they, and if you remember, they go back to Jerusalem. They search the city of Jerusalem looking for him. And they found Jesus in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers. It says, listening to them and asking them questions. And, and it says, all who heard him, again, he's just 12 years old. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding. God had given him the tongue of the learned. Uh, in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus taught in the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth, and he stood up and he taught there in front of the hometown crowd, uh, and at the end of the teaching, the crowd said, isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't this the carpenter's boy? They, they knew him. He grew up there. He was the son of Joseph. He worked in the carpenter's shop with them. And now they hear, them te- hear him expounding on the word of God, and they're marveling at his wisdom and his knowledge. And where do you get that wisdom at such a young age? He's just a carpenter. Well, God had given him the tongue of the learned. In John chapter 7, verse 15, uh, during one of the feasts when Jesus was in Jerusalem, it says that he went up to the temple and he taught in the temple in Jerusalem. And it says the people marveled, saying, how did this man get such learning Having never studied, he was he was never trained as a rabbi. He didn't go to a seminary. He didn't go to a rabbinical school. He didn't go to college, we would say. And so people are marveling, saying, how did he get this learning? How did he learn all of this? He, he's, he's never studied before. The reason is because God gave him the tongue of the learned. Look at verse four again. How does Jesus use this? Wisdom that he has been given by the father that I should know how to speak a word in season. And that means, you know, the the right word at just the right time that I should know how to speak a word in season to him 
who is weary. I love this. I love what it says here about Jesus. God gave him the tongue of the learned, not not so he could debate doctrine with the priests in the temple. That's not what it's for. That's so he could argue over theology. God gave Jesus the tongue of the learned so he could speak a word of comfort, a word of encouragement to the weary, to the tired, to the burdened, to the heavy hearted, to the heavy laden. I love that. Jesus comforts the weary and and he has just the right word. It's a word in season. It's not out of season. Have you ever had, you know, you're going through something, uh, you're down, you're discouraged, uh, and somebody tries to comfort you or encourage you, and they say something to you, and, it, and it's, it's the wrong thing to say. And inside you're saying, well, thanks, I appreciate it. Or outside you're saying that, but inside you're saying, what in the world did you say that to me for? You know, like, I, who cares or whatever? You know, I know that. It doesn't help. But Jesus, he isn't like us, praise the Lord. He always can speak the right word at just the right time that we need to hear to encourage us and to lift our countenance, lift our spirit. It's a word in season to the weary. You know, in, in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus actually invites us to bring our burdens to him. He invites the weary to come to him with our burdens and he promises to take them and he offers us in exchange Rest for our souls. Those that are weary, those that are tired, those that are heavy laden, bring your burdens to me. I'll take them from you and I'll give you rest for your soul. A word in season to him who is weary. Now look at the rest of verse four. He awakens me again. This is the Messiah speaking here. This is Jesus speaking. He awakens me morning by morning. And we just sang great is thy faithfulness. You know, there's that line in there about morning by morning. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. I I love this. Again, this is speaking about the Messiah who is to come. We know it's speaking about Jesus Christ. And and what he's talking about here at the end of verse 4, he is speaking of his daily deep fellowship with the Father that he enjoyed Each morning, morning by morning, the Lord awakens me. Morning by morning, the Father awakens me and speaks to me and directs me every morning. He asks me how I know, and I say, Bring truer than the finest crystal. We're so glad you joined us today for Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. If you missed any part of this message or would like to hear additional teachings from this series, they're available to you for free at calvaryec.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. That way you will have access to each message as soon as it's made available online. That website again is calvaryec.com. If you live in the Baltimore, Washington area, we'd love for you to worship with us this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. For more information on what you can expect when you visit, go to calvaryec.com or give us a call. We can be reached at 410-491-4592. 
Again, that phone number is 410-491-4592. We look forward to you joining us as our guests. And please, take a moment to introduce yourself to Pastor Dan after the service and let him know you listen to Ring of Truth. With that, our time with you has come to an end today on Ring of Truth. Join Pastor Dan next time for more from this verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the book of Isaiah, right here on Ring of Truth. I recognize the